Good morning, church. Common um, Eastern salutation is shalom, both in meeting and in and, and departing. Uh, it's a word that is, is used uh, even today. It means completeness. It means oneness, wholeness. The word signifies great peace, much peace, an abundance of peace. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace, who mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. The only way we can receive perfect peace is from a perfect God. This morning, uh, we're going to continue in the Advent series, and the title of the sermon is Peace That Lasts. Peace is, is freedom from disturbance. It's tranquility, a, a state or a period in which there is no war or a war has ended. Peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting or war. Everything coexists in perfect harmony and freedom. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in John chapter 14. And I know I usually read like a half a page, but this morning, John 14, we're in verse 27. We're just going to be reading one verse, and the verse reads, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That is in the ESV, and, and the NLT, it reads this way. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Father, we, we thank you. We just sang about peace and where it comes from. And it comes from you, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, that those that trust in your son, Jesus Christ, you have given peace, Lord. We pray, Lord, that those that are hearing words of truth this morning that don't have that peace with you would make their peace this day, Lord. We ask that you would increase our peace, that we would understand the facets of what you've done by giving us peace, Lord. Give us a heart, Lord, to perceive truth, ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord. We never want to hear a message and walk out the same, Lord. When we hear your living word that has power to save, Lord, we want to be changed. We want to know you better. We want to be more like you. We want to answer the call you have on our lives, Lord. So we thank you for what you're going to do this morning, Lord, and we wait in great anticipation, Lord, 
knowing that the power of your word does a work in us and has done a work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this text, and this is uh, just after the Last Supper had taken place. And Jesus is with his disciples, and he is about to leave them. And he is preparing their hearts because they're going to experience things that they never have before. So he assures them by saying to them, I am leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. That could have been a lot of things. But he said, the gift that I'm leaving you with is peace. Peace with God. The peace of God is first and foremost peace with God. The peace of God is first and foremost peace with God. We can have no real peace if we don't first have peace with God. You see, when Adam sinned, fellowship between God and man was broken. Warfare began and continued until Christ, who is both man and God, which, which him being God makes him the one that was offended. Him being man makes him the offender, all in one body. And he brought back to us everything that Adam had lost. So our peace with God, first and foremost, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he is the one who provides redemption. He is the one who provides justification, and he is the one who provides peace. It says in Colossians 1 and 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The world cannot provide that kind of peace for you. He said clearly, the gift that I'm giving you, this gift of peace, the world can't give you this. We need to first and foremost be right with God. Imagine having an enemy. It's, it's hard having an enemy. It's harder having an enemy that you know you can't beat. One of the things um, I remember, like, growing up in life that I hated even more than having an enemy, I never liked instigators. I never liked people that started the drama. 
that wanted to pin people against each other. I remember an incident when I was maybe nine or 10, and I'm the oldest of eight children and six boys, so it's kind of like you're gonna set the mark for who your family is, in a sense of, are we gonna just be able to come to your block and just, you know, treat you guys any old way? Or is it gonna be like, hey, don't come over here because we're not starting, we don't want none, won't be none, don't start, we'll be okay, right? But there's always like an instigator. So I remember when I was about nine or 10, and uh, there was an instigator. And you know, when you're young, they do stupid things. Took a bottle cap and put it on the guy's shoulder and was like, knock it off. So I didn't want any problems, you know, I, Flicked the thing off. Then he put the thing on my shoulder, told the other guy, knock it off. The guy punched me in my shoulder. <laughs> that sent the message right there. So I don't know if that has really affected me where it's like, I can't stand the instigator. Even more than a person that I would fight. But if you really think about even in the garden, it was an instigator. Although Adam and Eve fell, there was someone that put that bottle top on the shoulder. What you, what you going to do with this? What are you going to do about this? And man fell. And man was at war with God. So when we talk about peace starts with having peace with God. If you can't get past that, what else matters? We also need inner peace. The thing about Inner peace is so many people try to manufacture it. They, they try to build peace within themselves. They actually try to lay out their own terms to God on how they're going to respond to him and he's going to respond to them as if they have that option as if they're in the position to set the terms. God is creator. He, he has the unquestionable right to legislate for what he had created. Us, the world, everything that we see. He has the perfect right by what means and through what way we would become recipients of his eternal blessings. God's plan of salvation is through his son, Jesus Christ, and only through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no salvation under any other name, heaven, that men must be saved. Anyone that derives 
their own plan of salvation disbelieves or distrusts the plan provided by God. And at that point, what you're doubting is his wisdom and his sovereignty. What you're saying is um, you aren't smart enough to lay out how I'm going to be in relationship with you. You're also saying you, you don't control everything. I, I, I have rights, and, and I'm going to relate to you in the way that I feel is appropriate. It is the grace of God that he does not allow us to do that and then even feel comfortable within ourselves. We, we, we can't. That, that inner peace, even as we try to do that, is always missing. We will be in inner turmoil. That, that, that inner turmoil is God's grace, is God's mercy, because if you really were convinced that you were okay, you'd be on your way to hell. Thank God that he doesn't allow us to have false inner peace that lasts. True peace can only happen on the terms of the gospel. When we're not right with God, our conscience will remind us. It stings. It can't rest. Also, even for the believer, the believer that wants the benefits of knowing God, does know God, but then wants to do whatever they want to do on the side. God doesn't allow you to have peace in that situation. There's conflicting inclinations and, and impulses that will not line up with the Holy Spirit, which dwells in the believer. The Lord must be the home of our desire, the aim of our efforts. And if he's not, we find ourselves unsatisfied. We find ourselves hungry. We find ourselves seeking satisfaction all over the place and never finding it. Isaiah 55 Verse 2 says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. God is the water that we drink, that he says, you'll never thirst again. 
God is the one who can satisfy those deep desires in us. God is the one who's going to give us that peace within that is so necessary for us to have. Thank God that he supplies that. So imagine that external fight with God and us being enemies and he has created a way through his son for us to be reconciled to him. And, and then all of these things that go on on the inside, that internal struggle, just to know I'm right with God. And when I step out of line, he interrupts my peace to, to let me know, come on, son. I, I can't leave you out there that way. I'm not going to allow you to feel comfortable. You know, so often we deal with anxieties and, and depressions and, and things of that nature. Sometimes for the believer, that's straight coming from disobedience. That, that is coming from, I want to live the way that I want to live, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. So you can't live whatever way you want to live. A pill is not going to take care of that. Sitting down with a counselor is not going to take care of that. He, obedience is going to take care of that. Submission is going to take care of that. Stop fighting with God is going to take care of that. And I'm not speaking about chemical imbalances or things where we need to sit down and work through uh, what's going on in our lives. That, that's one thing. What I'm saying is far too often it's situational. Far too often it's I want to do what I want to do. That happens a lot of times with... Um, with older teenagers, when it starts to be time for them to, to get out of the house, something happens within them. And, and that's a good thing because they're preparing for independence. But there's always in that some rough spots. I'm growing in my freedoms and the things that I want to do and, and my mindset and how I want to go about it. And I have restraints over here from my parents. And the young person has to grow and the parent has to grow. I remember when my boys were ready to leave the house, they were ready and they were acting like it. And just as much as they wanted to leave, I was willing for them to leave. But that was situational, right? After they left and went off to college and did whatever they were doing, hey, two days later, they were, they were happy. You know, they, they were good. That tension was, was gone. In the same way, they can leave my presence and leave my situation and what I'm imposing on them. 
And that's fine, and that's well, and that's good, and they learn what they have to learn. But you can't leave God's presence. You can't run away from him. Your, your situation doesn't change because you moved to another location, because you changed your name, because you got a different idea. No. The only way in those situations that you're going to have that inner peace is submission, is, is coming to the point where you say, okay, God, it's, it's your way. And, and that is not only for the young person. That's some place where you see it in, in, in a real definite way, but we all go through that. But one of the desires that we have is that, is that peace. But that's only going to be supplied by God. The other thing that we look for when we think about peace, we want peace with God. We want inner peace. We want peace with others. We want peace with the people around us. James uh, chapter 4 and verse 1 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire to have, so you murder. You covet and uh, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Do you do not have because you do not ask? The center of what we are uh, many times, if we are not walking in the spirit and we're walking in the flesh, is selfishness. That is why it starts with peace with God, because you are a new creation in God. He, he's the one who uh, starts to remove those things as the Holy Spirit takes residence but before that, you cannot have real peace with other people. You, you, can, you can have arrangements. You can have agreements. You live up to your end. I'll live up to my end. You stop living up to your end. I'm going to let you know by not living up to my end anymore. Like, like those things happen, but real peace with one another that we only receive that through the divine love that's poured into the heart by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we truly love one another. It's through the Spirit that we find it possible to be gentle, to have sympathy, to have compassion, to have insights to other people's sorrows, to have patience when others offend us. To live in harmony. That only happens in a true sense through the power of the Holy Spirit and the recognition uh, that we've offended God and we have peace with him now and he has filled us with our, the Holy Spirit so now we can go out and have peace with others. We read here in the text that he said, peace I leave you with, my peace I will give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. There's two ways that we can interpret that. We, we can think about humanity. 
um, mankind, they actually can never give you peace. Inner peace is always going to be between you and God. Our interaction with other people can never create peace for us. The oneness that we have with our spouse, you, those that are married, you can love the person all you want, but you can't offer them peace. I mean, you can, like, be quiet sometimes or not start beef, but you can't, you can't go inside of them in the turmoil that they have because everyone's like an island to themselves in that way. That is between them and God. You can want so much. You would desire that this person would have Shalom, completeness, fullness, joy. But you can add a detract from that from the outside, but we're not on the in the position to go on the inside. Only God can do that. So, even when they would use that greeting, shalom, or if we would say, peace be with you, we, we can want that for someone else. We can be declaring to them, I'm not a threat. I, I, I wish you well. Um, but when Jesus says, my peace I give you, when, when he said to them, this is a gift for you. His words are deeds. When he says something, it happens. It's something that is received. Although our desires for someone else can't be fulfilled, his are. So when he's saying I'm giving you peace. It means so many things. It means that they had peace with God. It means because in this same chapter, he was saying to them, I'm not going to leave you often. I'm leaving. I'm not going to leave you often. If you love me, you'd want me to go to be with my father. But I'm going to give you the comfort. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So he was going to place something inside of them that they would have peace and a confidence that he's coming back like he said he was coming back because he was telling them, I'm leaving to prepare a place. And these things that are about to happen, remember, I'm, I'm leaving you with my peace. We, we could also interpret where it says you can't get this peace from the world to, to mean um, external and the material framework of how things are. No outward thing can give a person peace. 
the best thing the world can do for you is give you temporary excitement. It, it, it can't, the world can't, can't calm you. The, the world can't give you rest. That, that, that comes from God. You could go to the most tranquil setting there is. That doesn't have anything to do with what's going on inside. And you could be in the midst of bloodshed and war and have peace. Those aren't done externally. He says to them, let your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid as pilgrims of this world, but not of pilgrims in this world, but not of this world. We can have perfect peace, unshakable assurance, trust, faith that removes all fear, fear about living, fear about dying, fear about standing before a holy God. Something that each one of us are going to have to do. Jesus says, I give you my peace and give them a heads up. Things are about to go down. But even though these things are about to go down, for them, for you, for me, let your heart not be troubled. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid about anything in life. You don't have to be afraid about death. You don't have to be afraid when you stand before the Father because you're mine. Because I've given you a gift, and that gift that I've given you is peace. You can come up, um, worship team. Philippians 4 and 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding and will guard your heart and your minds. In Christ Jesus. So, so we can have a confidence even when we engage in the act of communion. Something that he reminds us to do. It is reminding us, you're in my family. These symbols this wine, this bread, represents what I've done for you. You can have peace with me. And this, this act that we do often in community is to remind us where our standing is with God, what he's done to bring about that peace 
in every part of our life. It says in Isaiah 53, who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. You see, perfect peace had to be purchased. Taking communion reminds us of the price paid. If, if I were to ask you, what do you need more than anything in this life? It's peace with God. This is a special time when we take communion. It's a beautiful thing to remember what the Lord has done to bring us into a place that we would have peace with God, that we would have inner peace, that we would have peace with our brothers and sisters. But again, perfect peace was purchased. Upon him was the chastisement that brought it to us. That's what gave us peace. So as we listen to this song, let's just think about the peace that we've received from God. The joy that we have in knowing that we are his children. The confidence that we have that he's coming back. But let's reflect before we take communion together as the worship team plays this song. Let's repent if that's what we need to do. Let's thank God for the peace that we received and the price paid for it. And I'll come back up and we'll take communion together. Amen.
Let's have a meal. Let me reveal who I am. I'm your savior. I will kneel down and wash all the sin from your soul. I'm your servant. I am all you need. I'm the lamb that was slain. And my blood washes you clean. I'm the pure sacrifice. Let my life give you life. I'm the Sustain you, drink from the cup. It is my blood shed for all. I'm redemption, I am all you need. Yes, I am everything. I'm the lamb that was slain, and my blood washes you clean. I'm the pure sacrifice. Let my life give you life. You're the slain and your blood oh it washes us clean you're the pure sacrifice oh let your life give us life you're the First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself would ask you if you're not born again believer saved by the blood of the lamb that you would refrain from taking communion at this time prayerfully by 
end of this service, you would be in the position to do that. The word of God says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together, family. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the peace that we have with you, oh God, because of your broken body, because of your shed blood, we are at peace with you, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to continue to keep our peace, to keep our hope, to keep our joy, Lord. We thank you that when you Bring us back on track when we move away from things that would keep these things so, so much in supply in our lives. Would you stand, family, and allow me to pray for you? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this Advent season, oh God. Let this, Lord, be such a special time and our relationship with you, that this Christmas season would be different than any other, that our focus would be on Christ, on what it meant for him to come into his creation, that we were able to see God manifested in the flesh, and that you revealed yourself in such a way, Lord, that we would understand who you are so much better. And that you would die on the cross, Lord. And that you would be buried. And that you would raise again, Lord. As death is defeated, Lord. That you would redeem us to yourself that you've commissioned us, Lord, and then went to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for that one that does not have peace with you, that one that you spoke to their heart this day, be reconciled to God, repent, return from your ways, seek my face, receive 
my gift that I purchased on Calvary, dying on the cross for your sins. If you would have faith and believe and repent, you'd come, place the Holy Spirit in you, snatch you out of the kingdom of darkness, transfer you into his kingdom of light. Pray for that one this day, Lord. They would make a declaration that I have peace with God because of the shed blood of Jesus. We pray for those in this room, Lord, that maybe have allowed circumstances and other things to cloud the fact that they have peace with you. The one that's conflicted on the inside because of their desires that you would change their desires, Lord, that they would come to their senses, Lord, that they would stop feeding the flesh, giving the flesh muscles, they would feed on your word, Lord. That they would dwell in your presence, Lord. That they would seek your face, Lord. They would repent. Stop fighting with you, Lord. So on the inside, that inner turmoil would be dissipated, oh God. Pray for those who have taken their eye off of you and allowed circumstances to rob them of their peace. Where there should be a great hope and peace and joy because they're right with you. And that even in their struggles, Lord, that you're at work, oh God. We ask that you would increase our peace. We stand on a sure foundation. You are the lifter of our heads. You walk beside us. You dwell within us, oh God. Let us enjoy your peace. Let us rejoice in your peace. Let us have confidence in your peace. Let us spread the good news that others can have your peace as well. We thank you, God, that you're not done with us. We thank you that your word says that we can be sure of this, that he who started a good work in us Amen. will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.